Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you so much. We love you because you first loved us. Sent your son to die for us on the cross. We believe that. We know that, Lord. We thank you for it. We thank you for everything that it represents. We thank you for the empty tomb. We thank you, Lord, that you are sitting at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. We thank you that you sent your Holy Spirit to lead and guide us. We thank you for your precious word. We thank you, Lord, for the anointing that breaks every yoke. We thank you for all those who will hear this message today and in the future and be helped by it, healed everywhere they heard, empowered by your promises. They'll know your love and they'll be prospered in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Oh, it's so hard to whittle it down. You know, I was reading Proverbs chapter 3 on Friday because that was the third. <laughs> you don't ever know what to read in the Bible, just turn to the, the day of the month in Proverbs. <laughs> You'll grow. Amen. I heard a preacher say one time that was for just for young people to get established in the Word. I said, How foolish. How foolish that he's lost his childlike faith. Proverbs 3. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Do you hear that? When we see commandments and the law and things like that in the Old Testament can translate to the Word of God. You have to read things through the new covenant lenses of grace. Amen? Amen. We're supposed to follow Jesus' teachings. Amen. Love is our commandment. Everything else is hinged on that. Hanging on that peg. Remember? The hat. You walk in His ways and His teaching. Length of days. It'll add years to your life. And peace. How many of you are just looking for a little peace? I know my mom and grandma, that's all they ever asked for. When we asked them what they wanted for Christmas or their birthday, just a little peace. If I'd have known what I know now, I'd have just brought them their Bible. Because they're always sitting on their coffee table with dust. <laughs> no. They pulled them out to write when somebody died. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. See there? Just be loving and faithful. And look what? There's always a promise attached to everything. There's everything. If we meet the conditions, he says, look, this is all you got to do. I've got a spiritual law in place that's going to bless you. And here's the outcome of it. Just walk in love and faithfulness. Bind it around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So... You will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. What? Okay, now you 
You heard it. I think most of you believe it. Do you know it? Do you know it? Is it yours? Is it more real than what you see? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. This is the part of Proverbs 3 everybody knows. (laughs) That's why I want to read the parts around it. We always miss out on so much good stuff. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. It's going to require faith, folks. It's going to require faith. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. Just, 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 Lord, hey, lead me today. Take these feet and these lips and have them go and say what you want, Lord. Help me. That's a great prayer. That is a great prayer. You know, the Bible says hypocrites love to pray. <laughs> Jesus said that, matter of fact. The words in red. Hypocrites love to pray. Does he mean that it's something wrong with praying? No. He's just saying they love to stand in the street corners with their flowing garments and say these long Elizabethan King James prayers for everybody to see. You see? I like the guy that says, Oh, Lord, help me. I'm a sinner. He can't even lift his eyes up to the Lord. And he said, That man left justified. That's what Jesus said. Give me a good old-fashioned sinner that has fear and reverence for the Lord. I'll take him places. We'll go places together in God. Old religious zealots are the hardest to crack. Those in the super educated who have educated themselves out of a relationship with God and out of faith. Does that mean there's anything wrong with somebody who spent their whole life in church and dedicated? No, of course not. just means they got to be careful not to become hypocrites, not to become Pharisees. Does it mean there's anything wrong with education? No. Thank God for doctors and lawyers. Otherwise, all the Christians would be dead and, and sued out of their churches. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. This is about the tithe. The first fruits, the tenth. Not what's left over. Not the tip. <laughs> the first fruits. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. He's saying, You want to prosper? I've got a plan in place. But you're going to have to use your faith to believe that 90 cents will go further than a dollar. Spiritual laws, folks. You heard it. You might believe it, you might not. But do you know it to be true? Have you tested it? Have you tried it? God, God, this is one of the few things in in this life God says, test me. At this. And see. If I won't pour out a blessing greater than what you can handle. So I mean come on. At least you can do him is take him up on the challenge. It's for your benefit. Not his. He don't need your money. 
I've had him tell, tell people that before. I don't want your old money. I was looking for a seed to bless you with. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. You know, there's so many, so many bullfrogs jumping around from church to church to lily pads. You know, that preacher offended me. Stay right there. What? I mean, if it was the preacher, maybe, but if it was the word, are you sure it wasn't the word that offended you? If it was, then stay right there and take it. God reproves, He disciplines those He loves. For the Lord reproves Him whom He loves as the Father, the Son, in whom He delights. See, it's not like some places teach that He disciplines you with sickness and strife and divorce and poverty. Those things are from the devil, folks. God disciplines you with His Word if you let Him. And sometimes it's quite painful. Every week, you know know what I feed you? What He's been feeding me. Or dealing with me about. If I took my shirt off, you'd see the stripes. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Just kidding. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom. How do you find wisdom? comes from the Word. But you know, if you pray and ask the Lord, He says He'll give it to you. <laughs> what? All you'll do is ask. I notice when I pray about wisdom, and then I open my Bible, it starts jumping out at me. All the things that that applied to the things I was needing wisdom for. And the one who gets understanding for the gain from her wisdom is better than gain from silver and her profit better than gold. There is a song that some wonderful, talented woman of God comes in here and sings from time to time. And I wonder where it was originated from. Because right here in Proverbs 3, it says, talking about wisdom, she's more precious than jewels and nothing you desire can compare with her. You heard the song? Talking about the Lord. Wisdom comes from God. Amen. Long life is in her right hand and the left hand are riches and honor. Everything all the world's chasing after Right there in God's Word. The wisdom of God brings all those things in your life. If you're not praying for wisdom every day, you're missing out on stuff. She's the tree of life for those who lay hold of her. Those who hold her fast are called blessed. I really want to go through this whole thing, but I'm going to stop. I just want to give you an example of how I read the Bible Not that I'm anything special. But that's... It ought to be a relationship, folks. I hope you're never going into your prayer closet without your Bible. And I hope that you never stop being amazed and in awe and and just saying, wow, to God a bunch of times a day. How awesome He is. How loving He is. Turn to Hebrews chapter 11. 
That wasn't part of the message, by the way. <laughs> Boy, I tell you, y'all are so serious. Did I? Did I say something? <laughs> I just got you thinking. I hope so. Hebrews 11. This is the great faith chapter. Verse 3, by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. This is the part that starts the chapter. Now faith is the evidence or the assurance or the underlying reality or the substance of things hoped for. Amen? The conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. They died in faith, believing for something they never did see yet, but they still believed, and God counted it to them as righteousness. And then it says, the verse I just read, I'll read it again, by faith we understand, by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. Some things we don't, we can't see, we can't really understand, but by faith we do understand. We get it. We don't know how he did it. But we get it that that's, that's how it was done. And we can state that as fact when the scientific world is losing their minds. They think how foolish you are to say that without any proof or evidence. I say how foolish you are to think an explosion caused all this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Faith brings understanding. In the in the dark ages, you, you know what I'm talking about? The dark ages in, in the European world, hundreds of years ago, the church and politics were all the same. You know? <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. But the church demanded acceptance of all of its commandments and beliefs and some of those were doctrines of men yep. you know like I'll make you a saint but not, not you the Bible says we're all saints if we believe on Jesus pray to the mother of Jesus but she can't hear you if she could, why would you drag her back into this mess? There's one intercessor between God and man. That's the man, Jesus Christ. Amen. So everything had to be taken at the Pope's word without any explanation or justification. What that led to was terrible situations inside the church and outside of the church. Science was despised and many scientists were persecuted and lots of bad things came of it. Then came a new day, the Reformation and the Renaissance and the Age of Enlightenment. They found out that the world was round, folks. The Bible always said it was a sphere. 
Many things the church had pronounced as plagues from God, they found out were viruses or just came from filthy living conditions. Many of the God-imposed limitations placed upon the people were found to be just due to ignorance. Mm -hmm. God's always been used to justify stupidity. Yep. He's always getting blamed for things that he didn't do, that he's not responsible for, that the devil has done. They did it when Jesus was alive and they've done it ever since he left. So, what happened? People shifted from this enforced blind faith in God to the age of reason. So they, you have to believe this to don't believe anything. The age of reason came along and they scoffed at faith in general, you see. So they threw the baby out with the bath water. <laughs> it helped in some ways because it got, got rid of a lot of the false religion and the wrong doctrines and the misconceptions and the error. But like I said, they just got rid of God in general and so that was a bad thing. It left modern man with a void of that simple childlike faith that we need. The author of Hebrews says that some things can only be understood through faith. Isn't that what I just read? God didn't see fit to tell us everything or how he did everything or everything he's going to plan every day. If he told you about all the pitfalls along the path he told you to take, you might not go. <laughs> Some things are too great a burden for you to carry, and sheep were never meant to carry a pack on their back, folks. He's God, and we're not. He's greater, He's more complex than we can even comprehend with our little brain. So He gave us faith. And we have to have faith in God. And the times that we live in, with all the technology and all the noise and all the competing voices in the world competing for your time, your need for faith is greater than ever before. Wouldn't you agree? Yes, I'm talking about the blind faith that they had in the dark ages. That leads to superstition and nonsense. But an educated faith that is schooled in God's Word... And based upon a relationship, experience with the Holy Spirit, faith, faith isn't, isn't turning off your brain. It just acknowledges there's a spiritual reality that you can't examine in a test tube with a microscope in a lab, right? There's another reality that we can't see. Second Peter chapter 1 
Second Peter chapter one. Are y'all with me? Okay, good, 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 good. Sometimes I don't know. I... Just because the light went on for me, I don't want to go so fast that I trip a breaker, you know. <laughs> Second Peter chapter 1. These are some of our foundational things that I preach on every week, one way or another. <laughs> because it's a part of me, you see. And so I can't help but include it in my conversation, in my day-to-day life. No matter where I go or what I do, I'm always, everything is, all of my conversation and everything I hear is always going through these filters, you see. Because these are the real part of life to me. Second Peter chapter 1, starting at the first verse. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. To those, and he's writing to the church, okay? And so he's talking to you. To you who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours. This is Peter who... They just laid people in the street so hopefully his shadow would cross them and they'd be healed. He walked in such a great anointing. He's saying, you have the same faith as I do. I know you heard me, but do you believe it? And do you know it? Standing with our like precious faith. Same equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. Now listen to this, verse 2. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. How many of you would go for that? Grace and peace multiplied in my life. Yes, count me in. All right, here he goes. He's never going to leave you stranded. He's going to tell you how to do it. In the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. I told you last week, John 17, 3. This is eternal life, that they know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Knowing him. And the same word they use for know is the same word I'm talking about. Do you know it? Just like Adam knew Eve and they conceived and bore a child. I'm not going to teach on that, but you understand that it's a—it's more than just uh, a how do you do, uh, I know who you are. No, it's an intimate relationship with the Lord God Almighty, which He's made available through Jesus. Grace can be multiplied, and it comes through knowledge. We don't have a faith problem. Peter says we have the same precious faith. It's like precious faith. Same faith as he did. Everybody, remember I teach how the, we get the measure of faith? Everybody get the measure of faith? We don't have a faith problem. We have a knowledge problem. Yeah. We need an educated faith. And I'm not talking about cemetery, seminary faith. Education. <laughs> Nothing wrong with it if you want to go to seminary. 
Just come on back here when you're done and we'll undo some of that stuff and we'll leave the rest. It's like <laughs> it's like prophecy. It's like eating fish. You spit out the bones and you, you eat the flesh. Amen. <laughs> I'm not talking about the kind of knowledge you get from a Bible that sits on a nightstand or on the coffee table. You have to put it in. You have to sow that seed into the garden of your heart. Amen. It has to become yours experientially. And it has to be tested. It has to be tried. All the Word of God will be tested in your life. Do you know that? And you don't fail any test. I mean, you might fail it, but you're not failed forever. You just get to keep taking it again. So if you want to go around that mountain for 40 years, go ahead. <laughs> or you can just walk straight across and... You've got to know some things though. And you've got to know some things. First, you've got to find out what the Bible says, what the Word of God says. And then you have to believe it and you have to know it. You have to make it your own. Somebody was telling me the other day about, or last Sunday, about how this professor pulled this Christian aside because he was laughing at him about how they had, he, this professor was there to steal their faith. That was his only goal to make sure these kids didn't leave with any faith if they showed up with any. And he said that, uh, well, they had proven what the, at the Red Sea that there was a, a certain condition and atmospheric and weather, whatever had to, had uh, transpired at that particular time and it and it made that part of the Red Sea, you know, only this deep and they just were able to cross there and so they had explained it away. And the guy, the, the Christian just began to laugh and laugh in, in the class and he said, now I've had it with you. I've tried everything I can to prove to you and shown you and now I'm showing you scientific proof of some of these things and you are sitting here mocking me in my own classroom. He said, what's so funny by the way? He said, I just, I think it's funny that, that you have enough trust in science that you can believe that the entire Egyptian army was drowned in six inches of water. <laughs> you know, I told you that skunk story last week that the Lord called me on the phone that time through my stepfather and told me about the skunk, you know. I told him that skunk was dead and gone. I, I knew then that I was a new creation. The old things had passed away. All things had become new. But I still had a knowledge problem. And I had a knowing problem. I had, a, I had to experience some things. I had to get to know God. I had to develop trust in Him. I had to develop confidence was my biggest problem. Confidence. If you if you lack confidence, it's really unbelief in the love of God for you. And I've struggled with that my whole life. But I'm getting stronger. Amen. Second Corinthians five seventeen says, If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So 
That's automatic then, right? It doesn't say you're becoming new. It says all things have become new. And we've talked about the fact that understanding spirit, soul, and body. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 We are a spirit with a soul personality riding around in a body. You have to understand that. Otherwise, you'll get confused about all things have become new. And you'll start thinking, well, it didn't work for you and you really didn't get saved. <laughs> it's a fact. It happened in your spirit, which you can't discern with these natural senses. That's where faith comes in. Amen. Amen. So that just automatically happens. When you believe on the Lord, accept Him, you repent, your sins, you accept Him as your Lord and Savior. But do you know it? Has it become real to you? Can it be taken from you? You know? Or is it too late? You know what I mean when I say, can it be taken from you? Can somebody talk you out of it? There's a lot of good salesmen out there. I, I, I live a life of, of sales. I'm on the sales end of my, in my profession. And, and I realize when I get to somebody's home that they've already been, many times, confronted by four or five others like myself... And they've all told them the same thing. And how they were the only ones to be trusted and the best at what they did. And, and I also know, because I've been doing this for 25 years, that most of them are liars. People don't know who to believe, what to believe. So they generally just go with the latest thing they've heard. You know, they blow around like the latest doctrines and teachings and whatever sounds good oh okay that's why you got to be strong in the word and you have to make it your own you have to test it you have to let it be tried in your life you have to put it to the test it's not tempting god to do that it's growing in your relationship and your trust of him amen it's not necessarily throwing out the fleece we have to get to a point where we we stop doing that with God you know once he once he proves himself true we we need to go on with that go on to the next thing Isaiah 26 3 says that God will keep you in perfect peace if you keep your mind stayed on him because you trust in him he loves that. But it takes time. And you have to decide first. It's a choice. And then you have to spend time just putting your trust in Him and keeping your mind stayed on Him instead of the situations and circumstances of this life. So some wonderful things happen automatically at salvation. And just by closing the doors that you've opened to the enemy in your life, I know I had to walk around closing every window and door in my life that I had opened for the enemy. On purpose, I had to go and do it, undo what I had done, you know. To change my mind. That's what repenting means. Just change your mind regarding the thing that you were wrong-minded about regarding God. <laughs> that's all. Do an about-face and go towards Him instead of away from Him. That's all. Doesn't mean you have to get on the ground and beg and plead and wear sackcloth and put 
I don't know what all the crazy stuff they did. I think of the scarlet letter with that old preacher. He says he beat himself, right? <laughs> he bit a lot of knucklehead. Not saying what he did was right. Of course it wasn't. But if he thinks he could atone for his own sin, he's already going to hell. Not for that sin, but for his unbelief. That Jesus paid the price for that sin. And if he'll just go to him and repent of that sin, the, the forgiveness is already there on account. Amen. Amos 3 3 says, How can two walk together lest they be agreed? God's saying he wants us to walk together with him in lockstep. <laughs> and he's not going to change and skip the way we do because he's perfect. <laughs> Why would he change? He's not going to come down to our level. He's trying to bring us up to his. Amen. And he's given us all the tools to do it. We have to learn to agree with God. By learning what he says in his word and then receiving guidance from the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, when I leave, it's good that I'm going because when I leave, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he'll come and he'll teach you all things and bring to your remembrance everything that I've told you. So did you spend three and a half years walking with Jesus like the disciples did his disciples? No, obviously not. That's why you have this. This is what, this is Jesus without eyeballs and feet. Put this in. This is Jesus. He is the Word of God made flesh. Put it in. The Holy Spirit will remind you. Amen. That's why Jesus had a Bible study on the road to Emmaus with those dejected disciples the day he was resurrected and he concealed his image from them so that why because the word was more valuable than him being there with them at the time in the, in the flesh he knew that they were going to need to stand on the word in the future and that he, you were going to need to be able to stand on the word in the future so he had a bible study he opened up the scriptures the whole old testament and he showed them he revealed himself through the scriptures how it all pointed to him and it all had to happen that way Right? Because the Word is more valuable than anything else. It's the only thing that's going to be left when all this is gone. Oh, so many things I want to share. I'm having to pick right now. So the Lord says... My people are perishing for a lack of knowledge, right? We talk about, do you know it? And that's what he meant. A lack of knowing me is what he was saying. See, the Hebrew is sometimes a lot different than, than our language. A lack of knowing me, knowing Jesus. That scripture that I love to quote. About eternal life, John 17, 3. This is eternal life. And I'm like, and Jesus says, to know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. This, do you know that as we look into the righteous mirror of the Word of God, 
That's what this is called. We look into a mirror, we can see this. You know, you've never really seen yourself. <laughs> you've seen only a reflection of yourself. And a mirror image is backwards, actually. Mm-hmm. You've never seen yourself. <laughs> Unless you, And then your spiritual man, who you really are, not this vessel you're going to throw away someday. This is how you look into the mirror to see that man. Mm-hmm. And we're being conformed faith to faith to faith into the image of Jesus Christ. Doesn't mean we're going to look like Him. We're so fixated on our natural bodies. It's just a vehicle. So our car isn't going to, you know, our car isn't going to look like Jesus' car. <laughs> Talking about the vehicle we're riding around in, right? <laughs> but our spirit man, we will. We'll be. He says, when we'll see Him, we will be like Him. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of Jesus Christ. So once this Word goes in and takes root, it'll bring life to all your flesh. That's what the Bible says. How many walk around in sickness? I listen and I'm, I'm not picking on anybody. I have, my wife and I, we had Bible study all the way on her way to work and my way to church today on the phone. We just do that. And she just, she is so awesome. And she has faith. But you know what? She gets it mixed up sometimes. But I, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah. You know? And there's nothing wrong with that. We're not critical. You know, we're trying to grow together. Which, which, if, loving correction is all we, we should receive. Amongst one another and through the church and from the Bible. That's how God is correcting us with His Word. He's to help us, not to hurt us. Not to condemn us. Took years to bring us out of condemnation. Why would He want to put it back on us? Jesus bore all that guilt and shame on His body on the tree. Anything that Jesus knows. You know, you can use these things as the litmus test to find out if things are of God or not. Makes your life so easy. Is someone trying to guilt you into something? Shame you into something? It's not God. It's not God. Jesus bore that for you on the tree. So easy. So easy. It might not be easy if you're a man pleaser, if you have that spirit, because that spirit's always going to be a snare from the devil. But if you just want to agree with God and know what... Is of Him and is not of Him. And if it's not of Him, I'm not going that way. Then, You know, certain things are just not of God. Just on their face. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> time is... <laughs> so time is valuable. <laughs> and <laughs> but... We're talking about knowing. We're talking about not just having the like precious faith, the same faith that Peter and James and John had, the same faith that Jesus had for that matter while He was here. We're talking about believing it and doing something with it. And then making experiential knowledge. Because John Wayne said, life's hard already. It's harder if you're stupid. 
We're not talking about ignorance. Nobody should be faulted for ignorance. They're just not knowing. Stupidity is when you know and do the dumb thing anyway. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But yeah, I know our time is valuable. That's why we're doing this because we don't want to waste any more time. Because yesterday really did end last night, folks. This is not a dress rehearsal. Huh? You can't get yesterday back. The one thing left at the end of all time as we know it. There's still time in the spiritual realm and I can prove it through Daniel. But it's not like here. Never mind. (laughs) Don't fixate on that one thing that you might disagree with. Listen to the good stuff and spit out the bones, okay? The only thing that's going to be left is a record of what you did with the time that you had. Your entire eternity has everything to do with what you did with the Son of God in this life. All your choices regarding the Son of God in this life. There's there's a point. Jesus said in Matthew 24, false Christs and false prophets will arise in the last days. They'll even perform great signs and wonders. You see? So as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. If possible. What makes it impossible? This message that I am desperately trying to get across today. And I know I'm, I'm not the greatest orator. I'm not, but, but I, I'm praying. I'm, I'm, I'm praying to God just to be used by Him to help you to see that you have to gain experiential knowledge and knowing and confidence in the Word of God so that nobody can steal it from you no matter what. If an angel or a preacher or anybody else comes to you and they say something opposing this word, you reject it. But you got to know the word. I'm not saying you have to know every scripture and every line and verse. And that you, you say, man, I'm not here to go to Bible college, dude. I just came to go to church. Okay. But I'm trying to tell you, it ain't about church attendance that gets you into heaven. Hopefully you came here to grow in the grace and knowledge of your Lord Jesus Christ so you can become strong as horseradish. I want you to take the hour or two that you spend here and say, man, because of that, I saved countless hours in my week. Because I know a little bit more than I knew then. And I know God a little better. And He's making all the crooked places straight for me now. And so the things that would have took me eight hours to do, I'm getting them done in an hour now. Because I asked God for wisdom to help me run the life that He gave me. Matter of fact, I just turned it all over to Him completely. I watched a little deal yesterday. I don't know how many of you remember a couple of months ago, I was really 
heard him for Todd White. He's a great evangelist and preacher. He's got a church even now in Dallas. And But man, he sees people raised from the dead. He sees miracle signs and wonders. He loves the Lord. And I saw a video one day. I was watching. He he had just been through an experience in a mall where he went up to his Muslim brother and he and he just told him that Jesus loved him, and the guy rejected it, and and it was just so it was so hard on Todd. You know, I know that feeling. He went and sat down. And he just meditated on. You could tell his heart was just broken for this for this guy for starters, and secondly, just like all of us, Lord, how do I become more effective? How do I get through to this person? How do I get through to this? You know, group of people, whatever. That's we all we all go through that. And I watched yesterday. It says something about Muslim, a Muslim Christian uh, gathering or something like that. And I thought because there are thousands upon thousands of Muslims coming to Christ every day, and I thought that's what this was, but it wasn't. It was uh, what do you call their their imams or whatever, he was up there ministering, and a Christian woman came and asked him uh, a question about Christianity. And she, he explained it away. Oh, we, we do. We love Jesus, he says. We love Jesus. And he, blessed be his name, whatever they say after every time they mention somebody. And he went on and on. It sounded so wonderful. And I watched as that woman in her eyes, she began to understand him. See, it was the enemy. See, was he was drawing her away from her faith. You see, and I saw I saw her faith just sort of just dwindling away as she was beginning to reason in her mind and say, "Ah, oh, okay." You see, because one of their favorite things to say is that Jesus never claimed to be God. That's their, that's their argument. Jesus never claimed to be God. Show me. You see, that's their whole thing. And when I hear that, of course, I'm like, well, the whole Bible says he's God. Because <laughs> you read the King James, I read the English Standard Version, you read the NIV. I read mine in the Holy Ghost, you see. I get it. It's too late. To unscramble these eggs, you can't steal it from me. But say, I got to admit, well, I was like, it's a fine-sounding argument. It's of the devil, but that's how the devil comes as an angel of light. You see, lots of truth, lots of truth, lots of truth with just a little bit of leaven. You could make me the best meal I ever had, but just a little bit of arsenic. <laughs> <laughs> Changes the whole thing up. <laughs> they say he wasn't never claimed to be God that but that people started believing that after he was already left the earth. And that's blasphemy, of course, it's of the devil. But the point is why Why is that the thing? You know, I thought they just wanted, they hated Christians and they just wanted to kill. No. They do want to kill you, but it's really the enemy that's driving the whole thing. You see? Any other religion. You see, you know what the, the spirit of Antichrist is? Paul said, 
uh, or John said that the Antichrist is coming and indeed already is here. It, what he's talking about is the spirit. There will be a man, an Antichrist, but there's a spirit of Antichrist that's already rampant in the world because the world is run by Satan. So the spirit of Antichrist is simply anything. A person sitting across the dinner table from you that you're quite fond of. And, and Paul said, you, want, you got friends you want to go to dinner with that aren't believers? Go ahead. He said, if you want to get away from everything that's not of God, you, you're going to have to leave the, the world. And he said, you've got to get out of the salt shaker. We're the salt in life. We're, we're, light, we're supposed to be bringing them to God, you see. Just don't get it on you. But the spirit of Antichrist is just any spirit or any, any voice or any, anything that says you don't, it doesn't require Jesus Christ to get to heaven. Any other way besides Jesus is the spirit of Antichrist. Does it require Christ, Jesus? Right. Or that he's not the Christ? And they definitely don't think that. They say that he was a Messiah. They say a lot of things, but it's all double talk. And it's all designed to take you away from your faith. We want to become so strong in our faith that it can't happen, no matter what fine-sounding argument they have. There was a pre- there's a preacher, and I was reading his deal yesterday, and he was going to prove to his friend, because he was a Muslim before, and his friend was a Christian, he was going to prove to his friend, through Scripture, that he was right and that his friend should be a Muslim. And he went to the Gospel of Mark. And... By the time he was done, he got converted to Christianity. He said, not only does Mark present Jesus as divine, but the very point of Mark's gospel is Jesus is Yahweh. He came to several realizations, it says. Mark's prologue is like John's. It presents Jesus as God himself. Jesus claimed the divine prerogative of forgiving sins, and Jesus did what only God can do, heal and calm the wind and the wave. He says, perhaps the strongest argument in favor of not only Jesus' deity, but his claiming to be God, is Mark 14, 55 through 64. And this is where Jesus is brought before the Sanhedrin in the mock trials in the middle of the night on his way to the cross. Eventually, you see, the high priest asked Jesus a question, didn't he? He said, are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One? And Jesus said, I am, said Jesus. And you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. So, I... Anyway, he concluded, Mark's endeavor is clear. He portrays Jesus as Yahweh. <laughs> Duh. The whole Bible does. But there's going to be a lot of fine-sounding arguments. It's not just people turning away from God and hating their father and mothers and, and being men, uh, killers and, and murderers and idolaters and all the ugly things that make you just so aware that they're not of God, but there's going to be a lot of fine-sounding arguments 
and people who claim to be walking in love and liberty and life, and but they don't quite require Jesus. Or they accept Jesus and a plethora of others. That, that's just as blasphemous because it shows a lack of understanding. You see? The reason they don't want you to think Jesus was God because if He wasn't, we're still in our sins. You see? And that's just what the devil wants. I'm going to finish here in 2 Timothy. I'm just going to read one more scripture here or one more thing. 2 Timothy. Is that okay? Okay, good. 2 Timothy. All the five T's in a row back there, right? For Philemon and Hebrews. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Go down to the 12th verse. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. See, some of the folks are deceiving you, are trying to deceive you on purpose. Some are just deceived themselves. Doesn't make it any less wrong, you see. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how... Oh, he's talking to Timothy. I'll skip down to the 16th verse. This is a fundamental foundational scripture. When people come to know the Lord, if I get opportunity to minister to them, I have to make sure that they believe the scripture. Otherwise, we can't go any further. It says, all scripture is breathed out by God. All Scripture is God-breathed. All Scripture is... There's all the different versions. I, I could quote about ten of them. But basically it's saying the same thing. All Scripture comes from God. And is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God or woman may be complete, equipped for every good work. So the, the Bible is not only all-encompassing, has everything that you need, but it's from God. It's not a book written by men about God. It's a book written through men by the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And you have to know that to be true and believe it. Otherwise, you could be snared by the devil. Many people believe that the Bible is the Word of God, but they don't trust it with their whole heart. I think if the truth be known, that that might even include some of us. It usually, you pick any ten people and there's going to be several in that group, even in church, that, you know, not, not with their whole heart. It's still an old book and it's been translated so many times. You see, they get to reasoning. It doesn't matter how many times it gets translated and what languages. If you start reading it with the Holy Ghost... He'll make it all very clear to you. The same temptation that Satan used on Eve in the Garden of Eden is the same temptation he uses on you now. The same temptation that that 
that Muslim cleric was using in that big congregation it was apparently loving, accepting folks, you see, just to doubt the word of God. Did God really say? And then he challenged it. You will not surely die. You see? The enemy's always going to try to get you to doubt God's goodness, God's word. And you have to be prepared for that because it's only going to get worse. Before Satan can make you sin, he has to get you to doubt God's word. Otherwise, you wouldn't do it. If you're not successful in some area of your life, and most folks are struggling here or there or somewhere, we're compartmentalized, you know. <laughs> we usually, you know, we may be almost totally surrendered to the Lord, but there's usually one or two things we're hiding back here. <laughs> Not this. You can't have this. I'm afraid what you'd replace it with. <laughs> it's a it's a lack of knowledge. It's a lack of knowledge. Where it's a lack of understanding. A lack of trust in God. You can trust Him completely. Amen. Amen. I'm gonna let you go now. Thank you for your patience and. Understand Understand God. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ through the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. All right. I'm going to read this benediction over you from Hebrews chapter 13. Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in you that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Father, thank you for this word. Thank you for this day. Thank you for all of your precious children who have come here and patiently taken in the seed of your word. Lord, I pray that it take root and bear fruit in their lives and that they become so strong in you, so close to you, so full of the knowledge and understanding of your word that no one can deceive them. Thank you for loving us so much, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.